Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Human vulnerability is almost completely ignored in the security awareness space. But why is that? Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. It's time to change the focus and bring it back to the human factor. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. Assessing the constantly evolving human risk is how we make our company safer and more secure. I'm Connor Swan, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, the CEO at Fin, and today I am joined by not only a great friend of mine, but the founder of Saslio, John Harden, who was then acquired by Ovic, and he's now the senior product marketing manager at for SAS at Ovic. How are you, John? I am good. I appreciate you having me here, Connor. I'm excited to talk about our subject today. We've got a lot of good things coming up. So of those of you who don't know about Ovic SaaS management, Shadow IT, Shadow SaaS comes to mind. I think what would be really valuable, John, is what is, in your mind, what is Shadow IT? Yeah, so Shadow IT, uh, by like definition in general, is any IT not known by the uh, IT managers or the internal IT team. So uh, I've got this nice, colorful mouse. I always use this as a great example. Uh, I bought this on my own. My IT team has an inventory. They don't know about it. It could be considered Shadow IT. It is something that I'm using to get my job done uh, that the IT team hasn't sanctioned. But Shadow IT can also rear its head in way worse forms, such as file sharing tools, uh, third-party platforms that aren't supposed to be being used. Um, think like a key jiggler. You know, we work in the work-from-home world where somebody installs an automated key or mouse jiggler uh, to make it look like they're working. So yeah. Shadow IT is really just anything that IT team doesn't know about. Anything the IT team doesn't know about, does that include not just, you know, you pulled up the mouse, so hardware, does it include software? Does it include, what What does Shadow IT include? Yeah, so it's any IT asset really to get your job done uh, is the way I always kind of classify. There's a more like prescriptive term, but I always say it's an IT asset to get your job done. It can range. Uh, so over here at Audic, I mean, we're in the network and SaaS and then the physical. So it could be uh, an employee who puts a little switch under their desk so that they can connect more peripherals. It can be um, an employee who signs up in the cloud to share data because they need to get around company policy to get something done. Um, really, any IT asset, hardware, software, physical, um, virtual that is created, it could be a, a compute cluster up in Amazon. Uh, it could be whatever really form it is of IT. If the IT team is unaware of it, then it becomes shadow IT or it is shadow IT. Uh, and and, you know, my theory on this whole thing here, too, as well, Connor, is that shadow IT is not inherently good or bad. It's really just unknown. It has yeah. no like negative or positive outlook. It's just something IT team doesn't know about. I feel like the holy grail of shadow IT then would be a a computer that some uh, an employee buys a computer, signs up for accounts uh, with, with with accounts and then starts using software on that computer all to get their job done either at home or at their actual company's network. A hundred percent, right? Like shadow IT comes in lots of forms. I've seen some egregious examples of it. Um, but in general, what I do find is your story you just used there is almost always true. Like shadow IT really only comes into companies in a couple of forms. Um, one, it's just an employee getting their job done. Like the, that same employee that is breaking every IT policy at the company truly is just trying to get their job done. You know, they've got a goal to hit inside the company for the quarter or for the month or whatever it might boil down to. 
and their laptop breaks. So they just go procure something or they use an old piece of home equipment to get their job done. They don't have a malicious intent. They're just trying to get their job done. And so that's kind of that first form, whether it's, um, you know, just, you know, using your own hardware, it's going up and signing for a SaaS tool because it's easier than uh, following the IT's tools that we've got. Whenever it might boil down to, they're getting a job done. And then the second form is just educational gaps. Uh, it's that same employee that went online to share a file out to, you know, their company or their prospect they're working with in sales that just didn't know that there was a sanction process internally. Uh, it's kind of the same way, right? Like there's intent um, to solve their job, but they just didn't know about the gap. And that's actually where we're seeing a lot of shadow IT come in is, you know, there's an overwhelmingly large amount of SaaS tools that can be used or software tools that can be used. Um, and employees are just trying to get their job done and they don't know of all the features or functionality. So they just solve their own problem. Yeah, sounds like there's two steps to that then for most employees. It's not only just uh, knowing that they shouldn't do that, but the second is the IT company, if they're aware of it, should enforce, nope, there was a proper way to do this and you should have done this a little differently. Yeah, yeah, we try to look at shadow IT. We try not to slap people's wrists around shadow IT because it only creates the department of no even more. Um, yeah. Like we don't want our IT administrators to be the department of no. We want one of the look at shadow IT. I call it like it's entrepreneurs. People are solving their own business problems by you know signing up for their own software or using their own hardware, whatever it is. It's innovation. It's trying to get their job done. Um, so IT should look at that as maybe a uh, a bed of opportunity, right? Like people aren't using it for tool because they want to go so- take the time to sign up and use it. They're using it because it's better or it's more efficient. It makes them get their job done. That actually feels like a really interesting use case. You know, let's put aside the fact that a that a IT team should be aware of all the cybersecurity related risks that their company is unknowingly retaining. Mm-hmm. But it's like maybe as a decision maker at an organization, you'd like to know. It's like, oh, um, turns out my company and my employees largely use these other tools, even though we haven't bought them for them, because they're more they believe them to be more effective. It makes their job a lot easier. So mm-hmm. maybe we should stop paying for this software and we should start buying this one. Yeah, that's uh, there's a metric out there. About 25% of SaaS is considered waste. Uh, that's just like pure, the license goes underutilized or they're oversubscribed. And that duplicity of applications is really a key key indicator of waste. A lot of SaaS apps, there's so many different ways to you know modify a Google document or collaborate in a project or take your time or communicate. Um, you know, I, I've terms of three Trojan horses or shadow IT recently, and it's really file sharing tools. Uh, collaboration and communication tools and productivity tools. Those are your three Trojan horses. And it's just because there's so many options and so many people tend to lean into those types of tools to get their job done. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a Word doc and instead of trying to do anything with it, I just go straight to, honestly, if you didn't know about the shortcut, docs.new, docs.new, will open up a brand new Google doc right on your screen. It's like, not only is that tool free, like a lot of Google's tools are free for a very what ends up being a very long period of time and high usage, okay. but it's just so convenient too. Now, is Docs that new? Is that a Google feature? Or is that just a website that like is available that you can join no, or to? That's a Google thing where it just automatically ports to Google Docs and opens up a brand new Google document for you. And you can do Sheets.new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do whatever their PowerPoint version is as well. Uh, right. It's just like a, a hidden feature of Google to open up a brand new document really easily. Yeah, the reason I ask that is there's actually uh, one of the really large things we see out in shadow IT space is employees doing something similar to that transformation of data. So like, uh, I have a PDF, I want it to be a PNG. So I go online and I Google PDF to PNG. 
everybody's done this, whether it's PDF to PNG, whether it's like JPEG, to bit, like whatever it boils down to, everybody's used those online converters. Um, but this gets to the heart of shadow IT. So nobody actually cares about shadow IT. Um, what they care about is the data going into the shadow IT. Um, every cybersecurity program is built around the data. So, you know, I'm glad that, uh, you know, docs.new is a sanctioned Google's tool, but there's a lot of people that will go online. They'll put their tool in an online converter. They'll upload some, you know, potentially it's maybe just a white paper they're converting to PNG. So no big deal. Uh, but maybe they put like a customer list in an Excel spreadsheet to get this thing over. Uh, and while they may do their function and they may convert it for you, you better bet those systems are taking a copy of the data, looking at that, analyzing that data. And that gets to the heart of shadow IT is that business data. Nobody really is too upset if you're using a productivity tool, communication tool, file sharing tool, um, because they're not really worried about the tool. They're worried about the data you're putting into the tool. And those tend to be the ones that um, have a lot of that sensitive company data in it. Yeah, you got to be really aware of... Uh... Uh, a lot of people are talking about this now with ChatGPT being used by, and I imagine y'all see a ton of employees using ChatGPT when it's not sh- sanctioned by the, the company. Yeah. And who knows where that data is going? Uh, can, in theory, uh, I was talking with uh, our buddy Wes Spencer about this. It's like, in theory, isn't it possible for somebody across the world to send the right prompt to ChatGPT and get your data back out of it? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know enough to say yes or no, but, you know, the, the fact that the question can be asked is scary. I, what I can tell you, Connor, is we have looked at the data. So um, you didn't even know this, so perfect tee up, but we have looked at the data. So across our base, and we validated it with other people on the, the doing the analysis of this information, uh, 8% of the U.S. workforce has tried ChatGPT, which doesn't sound overwhelmingly large until you think about, you know, how much of the workforce doesn't normally sit at the computer, how much of the workforce doesn't normally have like a desk job. Um, it's actually a pretty seriously large number. And what we what was found then, and this isn't our study, but another study that kind of corroborated the data, half of those people put sensitive company data into it. So like take Samsung, for example. Um, the Samsung case is a pretty pillar case where Samsung had data exfiltration because employees were putting data into it, not because of their lack of knowledge on um, how open models work. And so that was just, it, it's just one case. Um, but the way I look at it with Shadow IT, you know, visualize it in my head is, whether it's ChatGPT as a productivity tool, whether it's WeTransfer as a file sharing tool, whether it's Slack or Discord or you know WhatsApp as a communication tool, every time you're using those tools, you're almost like leaving a droplet of data all over the cloud. Like, and think about all of that that you leave behind individually when you sign up for these tools. You little piece of data here, a little piece of data here. You don't know how much data, by the way, you get when you click that sign in with Google or sign up with Microsoft. How much data the SaaS tool gets about you? Um, so you leave all these breadcrumbs around the internet that can be then attacked by uh, bad actors. So that's you. And then compound it by a company with a thousand employees or compound it with a company by 5,000 employees. And you've got shards of data all over the internet that can be used as entry point vectors, uh, whether it's a supply chain attack. You know, maybe they, uh, you know, went in and they supply chain attack one of those third party vendors, got a little bit of your information and used it to enter in somewhere else, like we saw with MGM and the, Active Directory escalation up to Okta or uh, something like that. So that's the fear. It's not the shadow IT. It's that de- droplet of data that people are leaving all over the cloud. You know, a really interesting example of exactly what you just described for anyone listening or for you, if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan, is Brian Colangelo's burner Twitter account. So the, the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers got caught talking badly about his team on Twitter 
through a anonymous burner account because the phone number that they used, him and his wife used to sign up for the Twitter account was his phone number. And somebody was able to find that information somewhere. I was like, hold on. This is literally Brian Colangelo having a conversation with himself on Twitter, but it looks like a random account. It's just like, blows my mind. It's like, that's the world we live in now. Yeah, that trail of data. Fortunately, that, you know, I mean, that looks bad for the GM, of course, right? Like that's bad. He got fired. Uh, well, that's very bad. <laughs> but it's bad optics, right? Like at least in that case, it wasn't used to escalate, right? Like had they found that that data and used it to escalate internally in the organization, um, that could have been far worse. I mean, this is bad for the GM. And quite frankly, that's not good look. So for what it's worth, I don't know if I disagree with the decisions there, but in general, at least the company didn't end up having an exfiltration because there's a lot of personal apps. You know, people uh, compromise those personal applications too and use that data to escalate their way up. And so you'll be really cautious of these tools you're using online because they are taking a stamp of your data and they're trying to get as much as they can. Trust me, you no know, SaaS vendors saying, let's take less data, let's store a little less data. Uh, we don't want to know that much about our user. Um, that's not happening. Yeah, I've heard pretty much uh, every vendor, except for maybe the identity access and the PAM members, they're like, hey, we need to have more data because then we can make it all streamlined and we can connect things way more effective. Yeah. And what I hear is, sure, you know, what, but let's not pretend we're trading off security for the sake of uh, convenience here, but let's just be aware that we're doing. Yeah, but that's it, right? It's convenience. That's If you get to the root of why people do it, I mean, employees are the path, they, they take the path of least resistance, right? Like the job is already tough enough, especially IT. I think the stat out there, uh, I don't want to say it wrong on the podcast, but it's above 50% uh, of IT admins have admitted to using shadow IT in their business to get to business outcomes because there's so much pressure down on them. And that same pressure continues to boil down on every employee in an organization. And at the end of the day, they just say, hey, we're going to put the IT policy to the side and we're going to go out, we're going to sign up this tool, we're going to get our job done. And that pressure is creating this desire to go out and use tools. And they take that path of least resistance down the water uh, and path of least resistance is ignoring IT policy. So getting control of shadow IT is an IT job. Uh, It's not an employee's task. I mean, it's an IT job to solve. So... Let's end on your thoughts on this question right here. Why is shadow SaaS, shadow IT, why is it more important now? Why is it incredibly important today? Yeah, um, in 20 seconds or less, like go back to 2008, the no software logo from Salesforce, right? Uh, That was the shepherding in of SaaS. Ever since then, every metric about SaaS has gone up to the right. The amount of users, the amount of apps, the amount of data, the amount of uh, usage on it, 62% of the time that the employees spent in the web browser. If everything's up to the right, that's why the things are becoming more important because that's where all that data is at. So if I heard that right, it's not only our businesses using way more SaaS software, you know, uh, not to beat a dead horse continually to death, but COVID created a lot more opportunities for people to work from remote locations, some of which include your houses. And when you're not on a company network using company device in front of other people at your company, there's probably a, a really good chance you'll end up doing things that are more convenient when other people would have told you to stop doing them. Yep. And even more so, take those personal apps, right? Everybody now working from home, there's no fishbowl syndrome. You're not worried about what you're doing on your computer sometimes. So uh, we just, we've seen a lot of uh, looseness since the digital transformation that COVID brought around us too. Awesome. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. I'd love to have you back on to talk more about some of the impacts that this might have on cybersecurity programs itself and what should cybersecurity and IT folks do in response to this? Is it 
to crack down or is it to say, no, use whatever you want and just let us know about it. Like open door policy, come on in. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I did the next session. Great time, Connor. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining, John. For those of you listening, we'll have, uh, well, I guess I'll ask John then. Uh, how would you like people to get in touch with you or how would you like people to learn a little bit more about Off Access Management? Yeah, just reach out on LinkedIn. Give me a holler on LinkedIn. I'm social out there on there. And you can ask any question you want. I'm happy to kind of support some information. Just go to audit.com and click SaaS Management. There's a ton of info there too. Awesome. For those of you listening uh, and watching, we'll have all those links in the show notes so you can reach out to John, reach out to Aldic, learn a little bit more. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining. We'll have you on again real soon. And uh, everybody at home, thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.